Hey, this is Alex with Bass and Brews. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So easy, Paul can do it. Hey, this is Alex with Bass and Brews. No Bass and Brews podcast would be complete without my underwater robberies hat. You know that green one that I always wear? Well, you can pick that up at hooksethoodlums.com. One of the best teams out on the market right now, that Hookset Hoodlums team, and the gear is always on point. So make sure you go check them out. And remember, one passion, one team. Welcome to the Bass and Brews Podcast, your weekly distraction from other high-quality podcasts. And now, your host, Alex from Swamp Rat Fishing, and the co-hostess with the mostest, the Jabberhammer, Paul Roberts. hey Look at that! Alex well, Swamp Rat Fishing. What is up? Welcome, everybody. Look at that new intro, and uh, it's amazing. Um, and welcome to Bass and Bruce. You're, uh, as they said in there, you know, normally you have this whole thing where we got to, like, introduce. Uh, now it's taken care of. We're streamlined. We're, uh, we're right there. We're in the future. We're in 1998 right now, and uh, we're heading to places. Um, Jabberhammer, how are you doing, brother? Man, I'm wonderful. I, y'all, and, and so this new intro... Is a gift to us from a great friend of the podcast, Drew Turner, from the Paddlers Playbook. If y'all hadn't gone and checked them out yet, you should. Awesome. Uh, he, he did that for us, and I'm so thankful because, number one, I can finally see the whole damn logo. Oh, like the two fucking of it ain't cut I mean, I, he did what I've been out asking Alex to do for about seven and a half months, I don't know, a year. <laughs> I'm great though. How are you there, Swamp Rat Fishing? I'm good. Uh, you know, we're getting close to uh, my my time being done uh, in these crappy motels. I'm really looking forward to that. As of recording, I have 80 days left till retirement, so we are in the Woo! final push. I know, right? Heck yeah! And uh, yeah, dude, it's uh, it's you know, I'm getting there. We're almost there. And tonight we've got a great guest. We've got uh, Alex Rudd from Alex Rudd Fishing returning back to the show. Somehow he decided he wants more of this ridiculousness. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I literally, I told somebody the other day, they were like, you know, like if you're, if you want to come on a podcast, like, you know, I, it's okay. I get, if you don't want to, like, I know they're like, you know, probably not your favorite thing. And I was like, not my favorite thing. I was like, I love podcasting. Are you kidding me? I was like, I love to talk. I was like, I talk to a wall. I was like, I'll come on a podcast anytime you want me to. Yeah, and, and that is, and if y'all don't believe him, that's a true statement because this is the second time he's come on this shitty podcast. Exactly. <laughs> well, look, we do have a good show for you. I want to give some shout outs today. I just did our buddy Drew, and then we got Chris from the Paddlers Playbook. Y'all also go check out Jigs and Bigs, last one that they just put out yesterday. Well, not today's Tuesday, it'll been Monday, Monday of this week. This drops Friday. Uh, it was a good time. Sean the Fisherman sounds like he partied his ass off really, really hard. I've never sat, heard him sound 
so just out of it. It was wonderful. It was great. And I know he was, uh, you know, he was struggling. He was struggling. So y'all go listen to them. The other one. Hey, this is big right here. This shirt I got on. Marshall Fishing. Good friend of the podcast, Jordan Marshall, is headed to Hobie Worlds in Sweden to fish. He's also going with another past guest and guest co-host, our buddy Ryan Lambert. They're headed. They got some other folks going with them, Christine Fisher and uh, I think uh, Siddiqui. And I, I apologize. I can't remember. I meant to look that shit up and I didn't. But uh, them and they got some other guys from, from America that are representing the United States at Hobie Worlds in Sweden. All right, Sweden. listen, listen. I got to interrupt what? you. Jordan's got one of them good government jobs, and he wins enough kayak tournaments, he can kiss my ass, all right? You don't need anybody's help. <laughs> Next time I see Jordan, I'm going to tell him that, too. Next time he comes rolling up and beat my ass in a kayak tournament, I'm going to be like, listen here, you son of a bitch, all right? You don't need to sell no damn shirts. Take some of them kayak checks you've been winning, that nice government job you got going over to Sweden. That, that man has won Angler of the Year in multiple states, and multiple kayak uh, trails in numerous years. It's amazing. It's funny. But y'all go check that out. I think that's going to be a good time. Hopefully they do well. They're catching perch. And Jordan said, I ain't never caught no damn perch, so I don't know what I'm doing. So it should be a good time. And hopefully him and Ryan Lambert make it back um, without having to go to international jail or be wanted internationally. And then also the last one, our buddy Joe LaBarbera, or La Barbera, as I called him for like three episodes. He just dropped his new YouTube channel. Y'all go check it out. I, I know we have a ton of Joe fans here because his podcasts have done very well, and he's done some live. It's just awesome. But go check it out. It is uh, – I forgot the fucking name of it. Just go search. It's called, uh, it's, it, it's called The Outer Damn Realm. It. Yes. Yes, The Outer Realm. Sorry, Joe. I didn't mean to mess it up that bad, but what it? I got you, Joe. I got you, Joe. Don't worry. <laughs> All right, Alex Rudd's here tonight. We're going. We have, we have a high level topic we're going to talk about tonight. But let's be real, we're probably going to stick to that shit like wet bubble gum on that wall in Seattle. It's going to be dripping and falling all over the place. But I think it's going to be a good time. I really do. Actually, I know it will be. Alex, man, tell us what's been going on here with you recently. Because you just got back from my cast last week. I did. I did. Yeah, I've been good, man. Just been doing my thing. You know, I like did the whole thing where I quit my career. That was pretty cool. Um, now I'm like making YouTube videos and podcasts full time. So that's fun. I've been fishing a lot. Not been catching a ton of fish. It's been a tough summer of fishing so far, to be totally honest with you. It's uh, I don't know, man, like the lakes around here are just so hot. You know what I mean? And it's just been sucking really, really bad. So that's kind of got me exploring all kinds of little creeks and rivers, which we'll get into here in just a little while. Um, but I did just get back from ICAST. ICAST was good. It was laid back this year. Like, it was really laid back. It wasn't, you know, normally ICAST for me, I've not been in the past two years. Um, year before last because of COVID, and then last year, um, after dad got diagnosed with cancer and there was like a COVID spike last summer, I just thought, you know, better safe than sorry than to go down there and, and get sick you know what i mean and then this year uh you know abu and and all the people over at pure wanted me to come down and wanted me to to be a part of icast and 
you know, normally I run around like a chicken with my head cut off. Like I'm go, 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 you know, a thousand different places at one time. Man, this year it was so laid back. I hung out in the pure booth. I went and seen my people at AFCO, went and seen my people at Do It Molds. X2 wasn't there. Monster Bass wasn't there. I mean, just laid back. And I, I don't know. It was it was laid back. It, it, was, uh, it was a good show. I do have to say, though, this year, normally at ICAST, like I'll walk around and I'll see, you know, 15 things that I think, man, that's dope. Or, oh, I have to try that. You know what I mean? Something like I would actually go out and spend my money on and buy. And I have to say this year, it there was like just a few things that I saw that were like that. And most of them were Berkeley things. <laughs> and so it was just like... <laughs> It was weird, man. I don't know. The one that really got my attention that wasn't a Berkeley product was the OG Rocco. Um, And the reason that that one got my attention so much is it looks like um, some old school handcrafted, you know, handmade baits from back in the day from around here, which isn't surprising because, you know, that's kind of where Ott drew his inspiration from. I mean, Ott's a, you know, a bait carver from way back and he gained and learned a lot of his knowledge from old school bait carvers here in East Tennessee. And so that OG Rocco is bringing back a shape and a profile that has not seen the light of day in many, many years. And I think it's going to be a cold water killer and a springtime killer. And so I'll actually go out and buy some of those and, and use them because I really think that that's going to be a hell of a little bait. But I'll be honest, man, outside of that, this just wasn't a whole lot this year. What did, did you take a peek at or having, you know, good look at the Hellraiser from Z-Man? Yeah, yeah I saw it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I saw it. I, I, dude, I don't know what to think of it. I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I guess that's cool. You know, it's a completely different, take on a fishing lure that's for sure you know what i mean um just looking at it though i mean i don't know i mean maybe i'm gonna get proven wrong maybe this will be like the whopper plopper and you know next thing you know we'll all have a hellraiser you know what i mean <laughs> but yeah. i just really don't foresee that being that way you know, you know what i mean it, it's a it's a weird bait. It's a really weird bait. And I'll tell you, speaking of Whopper Plopper, one that flew under the radar that was a brand new iCast release, and I never saw the River to Sea booth. I don't know how I missed it because I walked every aisle of the show. I do this thing once a year where I literally just pace pace the aisles back and forth. And, like, I go through each aisle. I see every single booth, whether I'm affiliated with them or not. I go see every booth and just see what's up and somehow miss the River to Sea booth. But River to Sea has come out with an inline buzzbait that has the head of a whopper plopper in a skirt in this giant gaff of a hook on the back of it. And it's a oh, slow-sinking buzzbait. Dude, it's the most wild thing that you've ever seen. And the only reason that I saw it is because it, like, popped up on some random dude's, like, page that I've never seen before. But it was a very wild-looking bait. I mean, it, does it resemble the buzz plug? Essentially, but okay. Imagine, imagine a buzz plug, but the ba- blade is separated from it, and there's a the hook is molded in, and it's like a giant inline hook with a skirt behind it. That's Dude, it's insane. a wild. Yeah, it's a it's a wild looking bait. But that was another just crazy thing. I don't know. I told River to see. They're always they got like some of the weirdest stuff. 
and it works, but it's just like mm-hmm. the weirdest, mm-hmm. I mean, off the wall stuff. Whopper plopper. I mean, we look yeah. at the whopper plopper. When I first saw the whopper plopper, I was like, that's stupid. That's never going to catch a fish. And then, I, and then now it's like one of my favorite things, you know, a chopping, a chopo style or a plopping style bait is one of my favorite uh-huh. baits to throw. So, I mean, yeah, man, I guess it was good though. It was just, I was laid back, wasn't much to look at outside of what Berkeley had going on. That OG Rocco was cool. I mean, new product showcase, there was nothing fascinating. You know, the new Humminbird stuff's cool with the, mm-hmm. the new Target Lock thing. That's that's pretty cool. Um, but outside no, of that, I mean. No buckets? No buckets this year? No buckets. <laughs> uh, no buckets. There's, uh, there was a cooler. There was a cooler that was an eight hundred fifty dollar cooler, which I thought was very interesting. It was an electric cooler. An electric, yeah. an electric one. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a, a great way to catch your uh, kayak on fire. No kidding, right? Well, let's let's not beat around the bush anymore. There was there was one thing that had I, I would say some of the biggest hype out of iCast that you you've had some you've had the pleasure and to to been able to use before a lot of other people. Yeah, yeah, the slobber knocker. The slobber knocker, yeah. The slobber knocker. Uh, first of all, the name's amazing. When Nathan <laughs> Nathan is over bass bait design, and he's a buddy of mine. I've known Nathan, golly, going on 10 years now. Um, he, he came to me and he said, all right, tell me what you think about this name. He said, the slobber knocker. And I was like, like old WWE days, like, oh, man, that was a slobber knocker. And he was like, yeah, and I was like, one hundred thousand percent. If you get that approved, that's the name. Next day he got it approved. That was the name, and like it was, it was on after that. But yeah, man, no slobberknocker's cool. Um, we were talking about it before we got on here. I got it February first, and I, excuse me, I got it February first, and I won a tournament on it February fifth. I won a tournament on it that Saturday, so I've had it since February, man, and I've had the pleasure of fishing that thing, and it is a phenomenal bladed jig. Um, the best way that I can describe to everybody. The sound profile is very deep, very resonant, and it's like you took a bladed jig and turned the bass up on it. That's the best way that I can describe it. I mean, it's it's just a very deep, resonant, hard thump, but it's still very fast. So you still get that, you know, that speed that you expect out of high-quality bladed jig, right? Fusion 19 hook, you got the Berkeley power bait infused in the skirt, which is very unique, and then the head-through design. And that head through design is cool because what it does is, is the way that they actually connect the blade through the head is on essentially a centering pin, right? Which creates a hinge. And so when you roll that thing up to a piece of cover, a normal bladed jig is just going to roll over and the hook's going to stick into wood or whatever it is, right? This thing, because it's on a hinge, when it hits it, that hinge makes it roll up over cover. And so nice. I've actually got a video of me i throw it up on a tree. I roll it off the end of the tree and a six pounder eats it. And literally I've taken that thing and pulled it over tree limbs before and watched it. And when it comes up to a tree limb, every single time it's going, it's literally stops it hinges over in the da 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 and activates again. And they actually specifically designed it to do that. That was one of those things that it was almost unintentional until they noticed that the hinging, created that in the tank and they were like okay now we have to exploit that movement because that's going to set us apart from other bladed jigs is the ability to fish around wood cover and then through grass better because with grass man it's like a freaking mower it just it just cuts grass it's crazy dude 
So, so I'm guessing it has a fast startup time, kind of like uh, the other big name that's out there? Immediately. Like, okay. not just sort of fast, dude. Like, it Im- it immediately goes. Like, because it has to. You know, I think the the way that the, the, the blade is set into the head, you can't not have an immediate startup because if you don't, it just never is going to work. You know what I mean? Right. And right. also the impact of the the blade to the head material because the blade is set back into the head the way that it is, is phenomenal. Like, you know, with a jackhammer or a thunder cricket or whatever other bladed G, normal Z-Man chatterbait, what makes them so effective is a direct-to-head connection and that blade knocking off the head. That is what makes that bait the way that it is. There are a few other things, you know, like the thickness of the blade and all that. But with the slobber knocker, because it has that blade set back into the head, there is no way that that blade can move that it isn't hitting the head in some way. And it's actually making contact with the head in two different points, both sides of the head and then actually the top of the the gap where the blade sits in the head. And so you're getting two times the the knock against the material that the head's made out of. And I think that's where you get that kind of what I've been calling like turning the base up on a bladed jig. It's just deep. Yeah. It's resonant. It knocks hard. I, I mean, dude, I'm in love with it. I mean, if you can't tell, I'm enthusiastic. <laughs> like, I, I th- I've been telling a lot of people, I'm like, listen, this isn't just rah-rah bull crap. Like, I've told you guys that before, too. Like, mm-hmm. if I don't like something, I won't throw it. It's just plain and simple the way that it is. I mean, like, if there's something in the Berkeley lineup – I, I mean, I can't think of anything like right off, but like if there was something in the Berkeley lineup that I didn't like, I just, I'll give you an example. I'll be totally candid here. A drift walker. A drift walker is a really cool topwater bait f- for where it's applicable. But for me, I like a jay walker better than I like a drift walker. Or I also like, there's another one, I forgot what the other one is. There's another one in our walking bait set that I like better than the drift walker. And it's not that the drift walker is a bad bait. It's just a very light finesse style bait. And you got to have very specialized equipment to throw it. And so for me, I have a seven foot medium, moderate, fast action, you know, topwater rod. And I got a seven, six medium, heavy, moderate, fast action topwater rod. So two topwater rods I use. Well, that drift walker is light, so light that you almost have to throw it on like a six iron or something. You know, like. I don't like that. And so it's just not a bait that I use a whole lot. And so like, it's not just rah, rah, bull crap. (laughs) Like I truly am impressed and blown away by this bladed jig. And as soon as they're available, everybody needs to buy at least one and just try it. Just give it a try. One of the things from your video that you posted, and it was this uh, last week, Mm -hmm. is you talked about how the skirt, the top of that skirt rides up and flares out more. Now, mm-hmm. I, I have not gone back and looked at any underwater footage of any other bladed jigs to see if they do that, but that apparently caught your eye, and so it makes a little bit bigger profile, and you think about a bladed jig, that's a good imitation for a brim. Mm-hmm. And so getting a little bit bigger profile with that, for brim-eating bass, I mean, those are typically going to be your bigger bass. Yeah and, yeah, and that little that little change in that profile might be something that that you know, get you a, a bigger bite. Yeah, yeah, and it's crazy that blade creates so much turbulence behind the head of the jig that the skirt literally lifts up off the body. Like it's it's crazy. You that in the it, video too. 
Yeah. I mean, it's like pe- people are like, I will say that. And people are like, huh? And then you show it to them and they're like, oh, damn. Like, that's yeah. cool. Like, you know, and they're like, that's really cool. You know what yeah, I mean? It, 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 it's, I don't know how you normally fish a chatterbait. Are you one of the folks that like go for the subtle trailer? And is this one that maybe you'd use a more active trailer in the background? It depends. So I played with two trailers primarily with the slobber knocker. The first one was the deal. Um, I really like the deal, especially when the water was cold because the deal had its own kind of secondary action to the bladed jig itself. And what the deal would actually do is very similar to what the menace used to do for me, which would get that the top tail would get that limp going. Mm -hmm. And it's because that blade was creating that turbulence and it was essentially knocking the, 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 you know, the tail off of its kind of off kilter and so the bottom one would be, you know, and then that top one would just kind of be doing that weird limp thing that it does. And I think that played huge in the colder water because, you know, bass inherently in cooler water, I have a theory that their eyes don't work as well. And so I think when they can key in on something like that limping tail, you know, that paired up with the sound and that bladed jig passing them, they're going to be able to, you know, key in and, and eat that thing. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then I played with the Power Stinger, which is the is the trailer designed for that bladed jig. And it would be more one of those kind of passive trailers like you're talking about, Alex. You know, something that yeah. just by itself in the water, it's literally just going to go like this. You know, it's just swim straight, but it's got no action. Um, but they designed that thing with a reverse honeycomb, which makes it just go completely crazy behind the slobber knocker i've not fished it behind any other bladed jig yet which i need to because i've got them out there in the box i would love to know what they would do to it but that reverse honeycomb design grabs that water and man that tail just like it's all over the place but that being said it's not hindering any action of the bladed jig and it's not fighting the bladed jig you know the deal's going to kind of fight that jig that's why you get that limping action where the power stinger isn't going to fight it at all. It's just going to do whatever the bladed jig does. The power stinger is essentially going to mimic it because it's designed to do it that way. Um, and what I've found is as the water's warmed up, that trailer has been the deal. Like I've caught a handful of fish here and there, you know, we're the middle of summer. Not, so it's, not the deal has been the deal. Yes, the power singer has been the deal. <laughs> not the deal that has been the deal. The power singer has been the deal, but not the deal that we're talking about. Anyway, um, but, uh, you know, it's it's not bladed jig season right now. Yeah, I can catch a few here, there, and in between on it. And the power stinger seems to be the, the trailer that it needs to be on the back of it, where when it starts to cool down again, I'll probably switch back to the deal because it just, I think it's just a little something extra that those fish can kind of key in on. And I'll be honest, too. That freaking power bait skirt. I I even have trouble saying this because like when I say it out loud, people this is immediately where I lose everybody and they're like, Oh, this dude's drank the freaking Berkeley Kool-Aid. <laughs> that power bait skirt, those fish are eating that jig deeper and harder than I've I've had them eat a bladed jig since I first got my hands on the jackhammer when the jackhammer came out. But you, but you said it. I'm taking the words out of your mouth. Even if it doesn't make a difference, it ain't hurting nothing. It's not hurting anything. And, That's and, my, I'll, uh, and I'll tell you from talking to to you and Bailey from Sears Sangler, and in the information that y'all shared with with like the the 
power bait stuff and, yeah. and the max scent. Like that opened my eyes a lot. This, you know, this ain't no Jim Bob out in the garage putting some some shit together and going out there and catching fish. I mean, this is the stuff's backed up yeah. by by sign. Yes, it's controlled, but yeah. still, I mean, a fish is a fish. It yeah. is it is a predatory animal. Yeah. And well, and it's it's a little less controlled than you think it is too. I'll tell you that much. Like, right, but it's but they but, right. But they still, they go up against like every major brand is at Spirit Lake because they're comparing everything. They're they're getting hard data on the comparisons between brands. You know what right. I mean? But it's not it's not and it's not solely anecdotal evidence. No, ninety nine percent of of, of what anglers and and anglers say, yeah, is anecdotal evidence because. We just don't have that underwater, that unobtrusive underwater view of what's going on. Yes. Fishing is anecdotal. They mm-hmm. they've put some science into it. And so you mm-hmm. get to you get to see something in a controlled environment where you can actually see from beginning to end. Yeah. That's, that's I think I, th- I I I don't know. <laughs> Again, it makes me sound like I've drunk the Kool Aid, but I really think <laughs> I really think that they're they're eating it differently because of that power bait. I think when they get in behind that bait and they're tracking it, and there are okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this in the context of another predatory experience of of animals out in the wild. A shark can smell a drop of blood in however many thousands of gallons of water. Okay, so that shark uses the instinct of smell to find the prey that it's going to eat. Now, once it finds the prey, yes, there's a visual component as to what it's keying in on. Almost every ocean-dwelling fish uses scent to find what it's looking for. And I think that if it looks right, if it sounds right, and it smells right, and then once it's in their mouth, it tastes right. I think you've hit every major factor that that bass needs to hit for it not to not want to spit that out. Because I think a bass or any fish, for that matter, the first job on its to do list in you know in the morning when it stretches its little fins and gets out of bed, <laughs> which I, we all know they don't do that. It's like the first job on the to do list is don't get killed by something. Don't slip up. And mm-hmm. screw up and die. And so, I like in today, you know, I said I went bluegill fishing earlier. I can't tell you how many of those bluegills swam up to that little bait and just sat there and looked at it. Or like that bass that I caught swam up. To, I mean, dude, he woof right behind it and just sat there and looked at it. And it's like, they're, it's like their brain is processing and going through the, the like the checklist of instincts. Like, does it look right? Does it move right? Does it sound right? What about, does it smell right? And if it checks all those, then boom, they eat it. You know what I mean? And I think I think that, that you know, a lot of the times it's a reaction bite, right? I mean, like, you know, if you blaze a crankbait by a fish's face, its brain can't help but try to kill that thing. It's just, an, you know, an instinctual drive to kill. But I think if you're in a scenario where fish are just even the slightest bit wary as to what's going on, that that power bait in the skirt or some sort of scent technology is just enough for them to just 
push them over that threshold of screwing up and biting what you're throwing. Well, from a All right, let me play defense. devil's advocate here. Go ahead. Let me play devil's advocate here. So, not today, Satan. Not today. No. No, <laughs> right. Alex. All right. So, 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 am I stuck? Can you guys hear me? You can now. Alex. Go ahead. Quit, quit okay. moving. Yep, Just so. Talk. So, hey, for everybody listening and, and the 10, 10 people who watch, Alex's video is off because he had to go to the meth hotel today. He couldn't afford the good one. And so we're, we're trying to work through his his stuff with the video off. But, all right, you're better now, Alex. All right. Go ahead. Just don't move. Talk, don't move. Dev- I got you. Devil's advocate. Like, we know that the general has max scent, and you're saying that it's in the skirt, right? What yes. makes that different than me just spraying scent on my swing jig? So the difference is is Berkeley Max Scent and Berkeley Power Bait are infused into the bait and they disperse into the water. Whereas an oil based scent is once it hits the water, there's going to be a period of time of which it's effective, and then it's not effective anymore. Because essentially the water being the ultimate solvent in the whole entire world is just going to wash that scent away. Whereas with max scent or power bait, the infusion process makes it so that when it hits the water, it immediately starts to distribute and essentially create like a chum slick. You know, like this, like a literal cloud of smell and attractant and smell good, taste good for the fish. Whereas like one of your more oil-based or aerosol-based, you know, scent things out there is going to wash off. It's going to dissolve in the water. And and once the ratio to scent to water hits a certain amount, it's just gone forever. And that's one thing about bait fuel, like the whole bait fuel thing. I'm very, very confused about, and I'm wanting to get somebody on to talk about it that works for bait fuel to get them to explain it to me. Because to me, if it's water-based, then as soon as it hits the water, it just disappears, correct? It's you gone, know what I mean? Like, right? It's gone. Yeah, but it's just like an anisole. You know, oil and water literally don't mix. They separate. Bailey talked about this one point. It's like you have uh, – I'm not even going to get into it. it y'all, y'all Instagram Bailey, I break, because he, he, put it, he put it in a very good picture – about one, one is the water base does is does is like I don't know. Y'all go fucking ask Bailey about it. He, he might know what the hell I'm talking about. I can't remember. Hey, speaking of this, speaking of a rabbit hole, all this scent stuff coming out, and all these new scents hitting the market, and all these scents that have been out there since the seventies and eighties. Why ain't nobody talking about fucking taking scents off the market like they are? live scope and stuff like that if this shit's helping you catch more fish and people want to be pure about fishing why the hell is everybody using i mean you know you got some of these people talking about how live scoping technology is ruining fishing and this and that but they're gonna spray them damn lures down to us dripping all in the boat and chunk it out there and spend hundreds of dollars on scent i ain't trying to get into that big of a rabbit hole i'm just i'm just throwing that out there when we're going to talk about outlawing scents I think the day that they've created an organic is the day that they start talking about outlawing scent. And I think we're closer to that than you realize. I really believe the next step, I think the next two steps, next three steps in bass fishing technology 
are gonna are gonna circle around three different areas of fishing: electric, high horsepower propulsion, so electric bass boats, electric motors, augmented reality, as it comes to electronics, and organics in bass fishing baits. I think that's the three big next steps in, in bass fishing technology that we're going to see. What do you um, mean by we'll, augmented reality? Oh, I, like, and I've got a live scope in your glass. Yep. I think I think you're going to see a company Contours. that comes out with. Yes, I think you're going to see a company that comes out with huh. glasses that link to your electronics, and you will be able to, like Iron Man, mm-hmm. set up a augmented reality headset or glass set or whatever it is to where you don't even have to look at your graph. You literally just look out into the lake and you can see what's going on. And I think I can't, I can't wait till Jim Bob at the pier. He's been fishing out of his 1987 tracker for the last, you know, 40 years sees that. I just cannot wait till he's like, God damn kids these days and their video (laughs) games just ruining everything. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, it is going to be old man shaking his fist at clouds that fast. But <laughs> I really, the technology think, is already out there. It's absolutely. Yeah. I, I work, believe it or not, I worked in wearable technology. Um, and, and in that arena was VR and AR. Yeah. And this was in the safety field. So corporate safety, you know, Fortune 500, Fortune 100 safety. The, the virtual reality and the safety world is already out there for training. Yep. The AR augmented reality is is already out there. Like that technology exists and is being used yep. in the workplace already. I mean, well, all they have and, to do is put it together. The thing it was funny. I had a conversation today. I was talking when I was in my first couple years of college. So this would be two thousand and sixteen. It was my first couple of years of college, 2016, 2017. You, you were live too sco- bald to be this young. He is a baby. He's a <laughs> yeah. baby. I'm not bald. I just shaved my head. Listen, that's I used to have hair down to my shoulders. Turner, that's what Drew Turner says, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I used to have hair down to my shoulders. I need to let it grow back out. But anyway, uh, so Let's first couple of years of college. And, and two, I went to college late, too. So I was like 21 when I started college. But anyway, um. So 2016-ish, I had a class with a kid who was in the Navy, and he was on a you know a big like b- battle destroyer, whatever the big ones are, the big destroyers. Right. Um, so he was the real Coast Guard. Yeah. Oh, was, there it is. A little fuck fucking low sweep there. Um, fuck off. There. Um, listen, Coast Guard's badass, all right? You know, if the Navy know, ever gets in you. trouble, you know who shows up? The Coast Guard. That's but anyway... <laughs> Um, so he, he was on this ship and so he was on this ship four years prior to this. So all the way back to 2012. And at that time, um, you know, live scope had came out, you know, and so I was trying to explain to him this live scope technology and he goes, who makes it? I said, Garmin. He goes, yeah, we had that on the ship. And I was mm-hmm. like, huh? And he was like, like yeah, yeah, miles. we had. Yeah, he miles said, yeah, we could. Yeah, he he said, we could see like, you know, 
I forgot what he said it was. He said it was like a thousand meters, you know, in any one direction, something stupid like that. I don't know how much it was, but I mean, it was like a ridiculous distance. And he said, yeah. oh yeah, man. He said like, and we can see him like actively moving around. He said, it's so clear that we can like see the tails on the dolphins and all this. And so it was at that moment that I realized, well, first of all, Garmin, you know, I mean, they have military contracts. I mean, that's how Garmin mm-hmm. makes all their money. They don't, people are like, you know, Garmin's rich because they're the fishing industry. No, Garmin, dude, Garmin's got GPSs. They got multi-trillion dollar military contracts. They are developing crap all the time that is totally outside the world of fishing. Yeah, and it was at that moment that... infancy stage in fishing. They oh, yeah. It, yeah, and it was at that moment that I realized I was like, so what you're telling me is that the military has got its hands on this technology years years upon years upon years before it ever hits civilian markets and so that tells me that okay what's garmin got up their sleeve next like what is garmin developed for the navy seals that in their night vision goggles they can see a topographic layout of the you know the enemy compound that they're about to go hit like so when does that come to the fishing world? When does that become a $3,500 piece of equipment that you can buy to add to your boat? And I think the that's, Humminbird... that's the ticket right there, right? Just yep. to, to, to go on that, right? So like, yep. I'll tell you what. So like radios, right? Normally bass boats aren't going to cover those, but your, uh, your folks up in the Great Lakes and anybody on the salt, they have these radios and there's this new thing that's coming out. And it's where basically you can send text messages via your radio. Mm-hmm. It's actually pretty cool technology you can do. 800 to 2,000 miles away. So offshore guys will use this in a fleet. They'll basically corral like cobia or some kind of migratory species. And then they'll send these text messages via their radio. So where they can coordinate and bring them in, it's cheaper than a sat phone because you're using radio signal. Dude, we've had this in the Coast Guard who's bottom of the barrel normally when it comes to technology. We've had it (laughs) since I've been in. That's how long it's like, it's been out for 19 plus years. But yep. you really, you really centered down on it. There's this really great technology. Uh, Raytheon's one, Garmin. Uh, they all have huge military contracts, right? When it to to get it to that consumer market, though, they have to price it down because the things that like that that guy's talking about, LiveScope before it was, we're talking about like a hundred and fifty thousand dollar unit yes. on a destroyer. And he right? said, we and gotta, he said, like the transducer was the size of a truck hood. Like he yes, said, you know, it's, it's massive. Yeah. They're huge. Yeah. But so weren't, weren't saltwater guys in general using live scope before it ever got mainstream in freshwater, I think, too, weren't they? Didn't the bigger saltwater boats, not even military, just. No. So salt, no, no, saltwater, it's almost the reverse. Like the big thing in saltwater is now using live scope and a trolling motor. Like, Dudes in salt didn't use a trolling motor forever. They're just running that big one and they'll run with the drift, right? Their big thing is they're just figuring out spot lock now and now using that to find the using live scope to find the bait balls. Yeah. What what they were yeah. looking at before was just the bait balls would be so big on their unit that it would there'd just be a giant blob and they'd sit on that, right? But now they're using live scope. I'm I I look at these dudes that do like reds, like red fishing. They are mm-hmm. annihilating them with live scope now. They are picking mm-hmm. them out all over the place. Damn, yeah. it sounds like I need to get my wife wife that live scope so she can find my balls in my unit. 
God Almighty. That's pretty good. Um, but to go back, how much is that that's cost? That's that's out of mount it over the bed bro. or under the bed, dude. You're probably talking 15, 20, 30 grand. I mean, let's be honest here. We're, it's <laughs> going to take one hell of a unit to find that thing. Um, anyway, it might be worth it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but to go back, like, gotta, why did I do this again? Yeah, why did I? Why did I come on here again? You sons of bitches! You, still, you just <laughs> drew me back in. Um. But to go back to what I was talking about, organics. So yes. you asked, when does sex, scent technology, when does sex technology, when does scent technology <laughs> go too far? Um, well, when when it when it's a man that can walk in the room just butt naked. No, but anyway, um, for real though, when does scent technology go too far? Scent technology goes too far, I think, when you start understanding organics. And when I say organics. I mean, when bass science gets to the point where a bass cannot, through instinctual driven brain function, distinguish between fake and real. When but, it's pheromone based and it's organic based and it's it's made out of literal, like when we're 3D printing skin, like we can do that now. Like that's a science. That's a thing. I mean, they're they're three D. You know, they're three D printing parts of organs. Like I seen a guy the other day who had open heart surgery, and both the valves in his heart had to be replaced, and they were replaced with three D printed organic valves. So these were valves that were made out of human cells, three D printed with a three D printer human cell printer, and made real organic valves that could go into his heart and function. Again, just like we talked about with the Garmin technology, that is coming to a price point where it's affordable. And I think that you will eventually see baits, like a crawdad bait that's printed with real crawdad organic body pieces and is real organic crawdad. Smells like a crawdad, looks like a crawdad, tastes like a crawdad. And I think at that point is when is when you start seeing people banning that kind of technology. Because you're basically just using live bait. Right? Exactly. You're, you're using live bait. You're spending yes. a whole lot of money just to skirt around the rules of like tournaments where you yes. can't use live bait. Exactly. But, but if but the if Berkeley, let's just just throwing this out there, right? If Berkeley or Z Man or whoever it is, one of the big time bait producers is making that, and they're selling it, and they're selling a majority of it because of tournament anglers. Like it comes back to the live scope thing. Like the the money comes from these companies into fishing. You know, it are where's that? Where's are they like? All right, yeah, this is so good that yes, we agree. This is not going to be a tournament angling thing. I mean, do I, am I making sense about where the money's going to come into play on that? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I get what you're saying. Yeah. So, no, so I mean these, they're never they're never sort of like put the money into the tournament yeah. angling. Well, that's why live scope's never been banned is because these companies pay they don't want to be and and I mean these mm-hmm. companies pay a lot of they pay a lot of money to make sure that bass functions you know when when you look at like a deal like Dakota lithium signed a deal with bassmaster to be the mm-hmm. title sponsor of bassmaster's you know title body battery sponsor Dakota Dakota lithium wrote bassmaster a check Mm-hmm. So, you know, Garmin doesn't want LiveScope to be banned, and I don't think it ever will be because they're probably writing somebody a check. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, they're paying And a big to, one. 
a, in big, a big one, one. a big yes. one, like a ridiculous right. amount of money that for fishing in the reach that Bassmaster has is not worth the kind of money that they're spending. Let's be totally honest here. I mean, like, right. come at me, bro. Anybody, like, please come at me because I want to have that discussion and nobody will have it with me. Like, I really want to talk hard numbers on these platforms and what Bassmaster and MLF and Outdoor Channel are getting because I bet they pale in comparison to some YouTube channels out there. And so I would love to have that discussion one day. You you can see it gets me going. It gets me on my soapbox. I like that. But no, anyway, your beard started shaking when you started talking yes. about that. Now we got the head shake yeah. and the beard. But it, it's more difficult to ban something that's they put so much money into, right? And you're talking yes. about baits. It, it's easier to ban that because you can't throw the Alabama rig on a lot of these competitions, right? And but, it's because and, no company who made, who made it, it was it was Jim Bob literally in his garage that made the Alabama. That's what I'm rig. saying. Exactly. That's yeah. easier to ban like that than all yeah. of Garmin's new technology. Exactly. And it's because there's never been a company because at the end of the day, an Alabama rig is a great example. You cannot make a million dollars off the Alabama rig. You just can't. I'm sorry. Right. It doesn't matter what you do to it. It doesn't matter how you modify it, what cool thing you do to it. You're never going to be a company solely based off the Alabama rig. And so those guys got rid of that. And by getting rid of that and not having a company that was writing a check to make sure that it wasn't banned, they they just got rid of it on the Pro Tour. Where, you know, your local deal, you can still use it, blah, 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 whatever. I mean, that's where they're making their money is these little, you know, your Saturday night potluckers and your Saturday mm-hmm. morning tournaments where everybody shows up and acts like they're fishing for $100,000 when really they're not even going to make their gas money back for the day. Anyway, and you can't again, even fish those because you're a pro. Yeah, I can't fish the semi-pro. Anyway, <laughs> but like, but like, dude, I think that's where that's why you're not going to see stuff like that banned. But I also to go to Alex's point: at what point do we separate it from live bait? You know, because yeah. I've been chastised for using live bait before. I caught my PB, a ten and a half pounder, on a live gizzard shad. And in my opinion, <laughs> thank you. And in my yeah. opinion, that is no different than me catching it on a crankbait. It's it's bait. Every other fishing, every other recreational fishing type, saltwater and freshwater, the use of live bait is not looked down upon. In bass fishing, though, it is, and it amazes me. And and to further your point, Alex, if they are going to start making these organics, which I really do believe you're going to see a rise in that, then what's the difference in me using a dead shad and a a thing that's literally printed with 3D shad parts. Right? <laughs> you know I might as well just go find a dead shad on the side of the bank, throw that thing out there. It's the same thing. Exactly. But so 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 let's throw this out there. Maybe and Paul, you talked about it on how these the, the tournament is uh, the tournament guys are driving the fishing industry. If you push crazy. more to the organics, maybe they're seeing a shift on where the rec guys and the non-tournament guys are actually driving the industry more. I think that the non-tournament guys drive the industry, period, and that the facade of professional angling is just what they use to justify the the spending of ridiculous amounts of money to get us all to show up to trade shows. Hey, I didn't just say that out loud, did I? (laughs) (laughs) I love love when Rudd comes on here. He lets loose. The world record largemouth was caught on live bait. Yep. The, I love the, it. Dis, the 
the disputed world record, the guy from Japan who caught, you know, I, we, we won't get into all that, but he caught his on a live bluegill. So if they're going to have the, the world records be live bait and not, 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 not live bait, you know, I mean, that's, that's what, what are you fishing for? Like if you're fishing for a tournament, they set the rules. You can't use a rigs. Mm-hmm. You can't use live bait. Don't you, everybody fishes by the same rules, but the average angler, the guy that wants to go out there, how many times have you been fishing and you go out there and some eight year old kid with a damn worm, live worm on a cork and a hook catches a seven pound bass on six pound test and reels it in. And you've been fishing in that area for 10 years and ain't never caught a fish. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. it's just, and I don't know where Alex talking about the professional anglers. Cause I don't, if I said that I must've been drunk because if you listen to, if you ever listen to Ken Duke talk, he talks about how professional fishing is a small part of the fishing industry. And let's just throw out saltwater. The fishing industry, salt freshwater fishing industry, is driven by the bank bank anglers. Mm-hmm. I mean, now, do you get an uptick in in a in a lure or a certain type of lure or a presentation or something when so and so wins the classic? Yes, but the majority of the people spending money are are the non professional anglers. They're the folks fishing from the bank, and that's where the kayak world's coming into is you're getting these people off the bank onto the water, which I, we've mm-hmm. talked about this in a podcast episode before, mm-hmm. that it's kayak angling isn't growing fishing. It's just taking the bank anglers and being able to give them a way to get onto the water to fish onto the water. But the I, do think, really- though, I do think, though, that it is growing fishing. We can get into that. Uh, the reason mm-hmm. I think that it's growing fishing is because it's a low barrier to entry. So if somebody mm-hmm. looks at fishing and they go, okay, I like, I, I don't want to fish from the bank. I want to go on the water or they already have a kayak and they get into fishing. Well, then that's growth, right? That's, that's a, that's a plus one, but no, dude, you're right. Professional. Okay. Let's really break this down because I actually looked into the statistics about this one time and I need to refresh the statistics on this because last time I looked at this was like 2019. So I need to go back in and look at it again. It was like of, you know, there's like three, what was it? 150 million people who have a fishing license. Of that 150 million people who have a fishing license, only like a percent of them actually own a boat with a motor on it. You know what I mean? Like it was, it's something ridiculous like that. And I, again, I'd have to get the actual numbers. So don't like take those numbers and run with them and say, Alex said this, but like, that's like a Joe Rogan thing right there. You know, Joe Rogan's like 90% of people when really it's only like 20% of people. But anyway, hey, um, Alex won't wear fishing or is said these numbers. So if you want to talk shit to somebody, go talk shit to me. Yeah. Not yeah, Alex. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anywho, come at me. Come at me, bro. I catch these hands. Um, you know, catch me outside. Catch me outside. How about that? Um, but when you look at professional bass fishing, like true blue, let's say the elite series guys and the MLF guys. I'm not going to count the dudes fishing the opens, and I'm not going to count account the MLF Big Five or whatever. I'm just talking about you, the. You're two- talking about the folks that folks we watch on TV. 
Yeah, I mean, like these guys that, according to you know the industry and according to what it is, are the elite of the elite. You know, what is equivalent to professional football, NFL, but bass fishing. There's 160 of them. <laughs> There's 160 of them. Yeah, but they're driving the whole market. But they're but apparently, according to some people, they're driving the entire market. I yeah. just don't believe that. <laughs> like, and you're right. You'll see an uptick in a bait when it comes to to a classic win. But I think what you have to realize is within the fishing industry, industry, a big uptick is sixty six thousand baits. That's a big uptick. Yeah. Like that's selling a that's lot. That's yeah. huge uptick. Okay, an uptick at Apple is. billion in sales. You know what I mean? So I think my my point in saying all this is is that people need to understand gauging your expectation for how much is a lot when it comes to bass fishing specifically. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we love to throw these big numbers around, but realistically, the, the curbing of expectations, you know, even the biggest fishing, you know, even the biggest business in fishing is only worth a few billion dollars. Okay, that's billion with a B, B, and we're throwing this around like it's nothing. Apple's worth a trillion. That's a million billions. (laughs) That's a hundred million millions. Or 999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,999,
everything that the market does is is crazy. It's crazy that those guys get so much attention put Money. on to their wants, their needs, their thought processes, and that people are investing that much stock into them. And I think what guys like me and guys like the Googans and what these guys have done is if is we shook the cage up on that and we made these yes. companies realize that hey these professional anglers may uh, still appeal to this certain group of people, but it's not always going to be that way. And I really do believe that we're going to see a generation of anglers that go away and then professional fishing and its popularity is going to drastically wane, just like what happened in motocross. You had a, you had years and years and years where these professional, you know, dirt stadium, dirt bike riders, you know, where they would show up to the stadium and they would race would drive the entire industry. And then here come Travis Pastrana and his crazy crew of motherfuckers out in the middle of a desert that started flipping, you know, motorcycles off of dunes and stuff and putting it to punk rock music. And it turned the entire industry on its head. And it was at Mm -hmm. that moment that the entire industry changed forever. The X games came big air came, you know, this whole different, just offshoot into this industry that was professional motocross and motocross riding, was born. And I think that's what you're going to see within the fishing industry. I just think the fishing industry moves really, really slow. We're, I mean, we're all, I, not only is it slow, talk- but you're, you're talking about like cool ass stuff. You're just talking about dirt biking, right? You're talking about Travis yeah. going out there, flipping off dunes, right? I have yet to yeah. see you flip your boat off a of dune. <laughs> yeah. You should try that. You know, you know, you just bring it a little <laughs> more uh, extreme. Uh, wow. Three X's. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it did. It, it, I, I, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, well, I was going to say. Gonna I mean, that, <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. That was the hey, greatest one yet. That was the best hey, one I've ever done. You would think. You would think we have never done anything with a podcast before. Oh, it's all right. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I love go ahead. It. Go, ahead. Is, go ahead. No, but what I was saying, Alex, you're making a great point there. It's just not cool. Like, correct. Fishing's cool in a way. Like, I love fishing. Yeah. I think fishing's cool, and I can mm-hmm. see cool things in fishing, but it's just not that cool mass appeal that dirt bikes are. Like, right. if you put dirt bikes on TV, it doesn't matter if it's my wife, an eighty-year-old man, or Jim Bob down the street. Everybody's gonna go, "Damn, did you see I got jumped that thing?" Or, "Golly, right. that was cool." You put fishing on the screen, and they're like, "Oh, it's fishing." And so what I think, I think, you know, again, to kind of go back and try to sum up everything that I just rambled on about, because I feel like I rambled there a lot, is just like that this shift is going to have to have the shift is going to have to happen at some point where we make fishing cool. We make it new. We make it hip where we make Mm -hmm. it for the bank angler, for the kayak angler, for the boat angler, for the pond angler, where you make it for everybody, where you make it an inclusive sport, not an exclusive sport. And the more expensive boats get and the more expensive tournaments get and the more electronics that we put on these boats and the more that we do to this, the more you're going to see this counterculture grow of kayak anglers and bank anglers and just this whole, you're going to just start seeing the, the, the world's divide and it's already happening. I mean, like the two worlds themselves are holding on by a razor thin hair wire right now, but it's holding on for freaking dear life where the kid still has to go to the store and buy a lure with a pro's face on it because it's what catches fish. But 
the Guggen boys shook all that up. Now they're not. Now their guys are going out and they're buying packages of baits made by dudes who literally have never done anything but YouTube, (laughs) and that's badass. You know what I mean? It is. And and I think that that's what's just cutting the meat. It's cutting that fat. It's cutting that meat, and eventually you're just going to see it finally break apart. And I think you're going to see two distinct fishing industries: bass fishing industries. You're going to see the tournament professional angler side of things. You know, massive money. Just you got to be rich, rich man's sport, and then you're going to see the inclusive side where it, it, where people are kayaking, they're bank fishing, they're doing like what I'm. I mean, like the stuff I like to do. Yeah, man, recreation, recreation, fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I've got two things. The first thing has not a lot to do with what we talked about. Besides, it just popped into my head, and I haven't been able to see it live on air ever. But take bass fishing. Let's take the elites. Their payout, they're they're winning a hundred thousand dollars a tournament. Yeah. That shit started in two thousand six or seven. We are almost twenty years into this. They're still getting paid a hundred thousand dollars to win the tournament, but the entry fees have gone up astronomically. The boat costs mm-hmm. have gone up astronomically, but they're still mm-hmm. winning the same amount of money that they were almost twenty years ago when the elite started. The second thing mm-hmm. is, y'all, we we had a a a a kind of open topic to start this podcast off with <laughs> that we talked about before we started, and this actually transitions good into this of what Alex was just saying is that the creek fishing, the wading, the taking yep. kayaks into into these backwaters, uh, the adventure. You know, going into these places that you you aren't necessarily going to walk, you're going to take a kite back into. And Alex, you and I talked about this yesterday with, with stripping down kayaks and taking all the bullshit off of them. All the grass, you're taking two or three rods, you know, uh, one tackle box or, or one bag. And and it's not and it's not just the the kayak side either, right? This is this is the whole thing about getting people into fishing into off the bank of a lake, but willing to walk up a creek and go fish into a creek, ultralight fishing. And and that's that's a part of, of, from the content creation part that you see a lot of people going to now. It's not sitting out in the middle of a lake and, and fishing, but they're starting to do these adventures where they camp, where they walk up a creek, where they fish a creek for two days, where they take a stripped-down kayak and go up. And that's something mm-hmm. you've been doing a little bit more of recently. Yeah, yeah. Well, <clears throat> I think it's because to truly be an angler is to truly enjoy all forms and facets of which angling takes. I don't have to win money to have fun. I like to have fun because I catch fish. And I don't care if the fish are that big or that big. I love catching fish. I mean, you're talking to the guy who him and his dad were staying at a resort in Florida and they had a tilapia fishing competition. And we figured out if we (laughs) soaked the tilapia food in water that we could run it onto a hook. And we ended up winning the tilapia fishing competition (laughs) in a... $20 $20 gift card to the ice cream shop in the resort. Like, oh, that's sir. Like how, yes, sir. I mean, dude, like that's how, that's how like freaking just ridiculous, like ridiculous. I love fishing. Like if it swims 
and I can catch it, and that's what I want to do. And so, yeah, I mean, dude, I think what you're going to see, and it's going to continue to grow, and I want to be there when it happens, is just the stripping down of all of it. Like, kayak fishing, dude, is going in a direction that I never thought that it would go even two years ago. And, and and there's nothing wrong with it. Like Bailey. I love Bailey. But, dude, he's got three graphs on his kayak. He's got, you know, Mega Live. He's got Mega 360. He's got a Mega this and Mega that. And, I mean, dude, it's a floating But he doesn't trip. even catch Mega Fish, which is the bad thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't say anything about that because, yeah. But, anyway, <laughs> yeah, we're going to say he doesn't catch big fish, but we all know that's a lie. Um, it's but totally like, a lie. <laughs> Yeah, it's totally a lie. He hammers them. But, like, he also lives in a place in the world where you don't need all that. Like, if he just goes out there and drags a, a drop shot around, he, he's going to catch them. But anyway, right? Like, 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 that's cool that he wants to do that. But, man, I just think that, again, what I was talking about a few minutes ago, it starts taking it, making it exclusive and not inclusive. You know, and that sounds hippy dippy. I mean, it does. I, I know it does when I say it. I'm not ever the kind of guy to like say stuff like that, but it's just the truth. Like, if we really want to grow the industry, then making it exclusive and not inclusive is the number one way to to not grow the sport. Um, and Alex, so the, the go ahead. Uh, this is what I'll say about that though: the <laughs> kayak world is growing. And what you're talking about, I don't know why we're shitting on Bailey. We hadn't even got to the spinach part yet, which we won't without Alex tonight. But <laughs> what, that, what we're seeing is we're seeing the kayak uh, competitive angling side exponentially grow. And so what we're seeing is we're seeing a separation between the recreation, which we saw in Bass, which happened in Bass years and years and years ago. We're starting to see a separation between the recreation – Yep, we're mm-hmm. seeing a recreation kayak world. Yep. And we're seeing the competitive kayak world. And so you're seeing a separation of that. And for these people that want to go pay, you know, $250 entry fee and $2,000 in travel, they, for them to win money and compete and be competitive, they're going to take every advantage they can. But again, we can relate that to the bass boat world too. We have the recreational angler, which we've already said drives the recreation, drives the industry. We're seeing that, and we're also starting to see that into the content creation side with folks with folks focusing outside the competition world with kayak angling and doing the backwaters and doing the headwaters. Yeah, well, that's me, man. I mean, I you know, and to kind of get into to the meat of it, like. I, I am going to take a drastic step this year into stripping down kayaks for me because I went in the direction of, I mean, I've got the Hobie. I've got the pedal drive. I've got the graph to put on it. I've got the batteries. I've got all that. Like I can do that right now if I wanted to, but there's something just so freeing and something just so that like itches a itch that I is, it is hard for me to itch in the like, I love to explore, dude. Like y- y'all just don't even understand. Like I love going places that no one's ever been or that I've never been, seeing things that no one else has ever seen. I mean, I when I was a kid, I looked like I had infantigo on my legs because I was so cut up from walking around in the creeks and the briars and flipping rocks and just beating the crap out of myself, what? looking for what the fuck is infantigo? 
Uh, it's a, it's like a, it's like a, uh, it's like a, an infection, like an infection that you get from like <laughs> being all cut up and scarred up. Anywho, oh, they got so it. like Cody Lockwood a month ago. Okay, we got it now. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hold on, infantile. <laughs> Let's look. Hey, while, while he looks up the definition of this, Alex Rudd. You, Highly you know, contagious infection that is mainly affects infant children. There you go. Yep. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Sorry, I just didn't anyway. know what the hell it was because I ain't never heard of it. Yeah, there you go. So I looked like I, I looked like I'd been beaten because I was like, <laughs> dude, covered in cuts and scars and bruises because I was digging around in the creeks looking for, you know, crawdads, looking for salamanders, snakes, and all that. And so to take a kayak and to <clears throat> take it way up this creek and to be able to catch a fish while I get to explore and look at nature and be a part of nature, dude, that taps like an inner just like child in me that is just amazing. So I love that. But you can't do that in a Hobie PA-14. You have to do it in these stripped-down paddle kayaks. And so I'm going in this direction of, of being that guy, being the dude who goes as far back up the creek as I possibly can, portaging my kayak, walking up creeks, doing that kind of stuff. But then I want to take that and I want to apply it to the $250 entry fee tournaments, and I don't want to beat people doing that. But there's also a competitive side of me always that. I can do what I do and be able to beat people doing it that's like the whole full circle of things that, that like get me going you know what i mean like yeah. and that's why i love like my aluminum boat like i just put 360 on my aluminum boat and i think it's really cool and i'm going to use it but i'm going to use it in a way that's very unique to me like very unique to alex and the fact that i'm going to be in a foot of water flipping something and doing what I like to do, and I'm going to make that tool work in that scenario for me. You know what I mean? And yep. so, I don't know, dude. I would just, I think I would love to see the kayak world go to a more bare bones approach to kayak fishing. And like this Susquehanna River tournament this past week was a perfect example of people, they couldn't take their PAs, they couldn't take their graphs. It was just about, no one had to fish a current. No one had to fish current. No one had to read a river and going and catching smallmouth bass. Like, dude, that's yep. that's when it, I, bro. When I first got my kayak and I got it, the stuff that I was watching on YouTube was exactly that. It was people that had straps on their kayaks and they were going from, you know, these little swamp pools and swamp pools and going up creeks and rivers and. And then five years later, when I actually got into competitive kayak fishing, we're we're out there offshore fishing in the middle of the lake with bass boats. You know, worried about getting run over by drunk people on bait boats. Yeah. But you know, just five seven years ago, if you go back, if if people want to go back and look at at kayak fishing in 2015 2016, that's exactly what you're going to see. You're going to see people in little ponds. You're going to see people portaging them, hauling them a mile or two through the woods to get to where they wanted to fish, up creeks. That's what you saw. That was the essence of getting a kayak. Yep. Well, that was. Well, so, so Rudd, I, I will say, I want to rewind back. When we talked about the motocross, right, you said yeah. we can't make, like, fishing's not that cool, right? Yeah. And I'm sure you already know this, but what you're describing is something that let's say you've got a YouTube video on and they show you 
dragging this thing through a creek. Grandmom walks over and she goes, well, shit. Obviously, my grandmother swears a lot, but she's like, well, shit, I could do that. That seems like a great time. If you add in good production and you're a good storyteller, that's a whole new way to actually make what we're doing cool. You're making it an adventure. You're making it not such a competitive thing. It's more about the the vibes, right, as the kids say. So I work with a bunch of 19-year-olds now. But it's all about the vibes, right? And that's a way to bring in a whole other audience that doesn't want to be competitive. What they want to do is experience the outdoors and experience being one with nature almost and kind of almost what you said, the exploring aspect of it. Yep. And, and, yeah, man, it, even, and that's my plan moving forward, to be totally honest yeah. with you. I'm, I want to camp. I want to fish. I want to do overnight trips. I mean, I want to expand you know i mean i'm still gonna do tournaments and i'm still gonna get the bass boat out i mean i love my boat yeah i'm taking my boat out tomorrow i love my boat i love going 16 (laughs) i mean it's just the way that it is but but like there are also times that like you know if it's a beautiful fall october day i'm gonna load the camping gear up and i'm gonna load the kayak up and i'm gonna go do a 25 mile you know kayak float and find somewhere to stop and camp overnight and eat hot dogs and shoot the shit by the fire with my buddies and and tell that story you know what i mean because at the end of the day man you know i have never i've never experienced anything i'm going to say this and, and this is my anecdotal experience with fishing and maybe some other people have had another anecdotal experience but I have, I cannot look back on any memory that I've ever made fishing, and it be tied to a tournament or a competitive scenario or a scenario like that. Every core memory that I have in fishing has been a memory made when I'm just out there with my buddies, mm-hmm. when I'm out there enjoying nature, when I can take the time to sit down and take a breath and like watch two eagles do the death spiral down to the water and breed. Like that's one that I remember while I was catching giant smallmouth on Cherokee Lake with my dad, you know, watching smallmouth swim out of deep water and watch dust clouds form on a flat because the smallmouth are swimming up out of deep water on Lake Huron and Ben are literally watching them make bed. Like, you know, being up in a Creek, watching otters swim up to the front of my kayak and literally touch the front of my kayak and like peek up over the front of my kayak and then dip back down and swim away. Like, it's just, those are like core memories that I'll never forget. And when I'm laying on my deathbed is going to be like the ones that go, that I was like, man, I'm glad I got to experience that. You know and what when, I mean? Yeah. And when you're video, when you're videoing that, when you're taking pictures of that and you're putting that on Instagram or TikTok or YouTube, TikTok. Those are tiki tack. Those are those are stories. Yeah. Like there's there's a there's a whole draw to your viewers that want to see what happens next into that. Yeah. Instead of just watching, you know, somebody go out and fish a, a point for three hours and catch five fish, you know, there's 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 not a lot of story. It's hard it's hard to tell that story. When you're yeah. taking when you're taking this adventure, it's easy to tell that story. And it's, it, people can follow along, yeah. and, it, and it's engaging because there's so much more to see and so much more to do. 
And I really think that that's one of the things with social media and in our little niche, right? We're talking about fishing and kayak fishing in our little niche. I think that's a really great avenue. I won't say it's untapped because that's what it was. Yeah. We talked about it. that's what it was. But to get back into that and to take what we've how how YouTube and how social media has progressed over the last ten years to be able to now go back to those roots and tell those stories, that's engaging and that's gonna get people to to say, Oh well, shit, you know, I can't go out there and fish in a kayak anymore. I gotta go sit in the middle of the lake with these waves. I don't wanna do that. But now that's like, oh shit, I can take my pelican and drag it and fish in this creek and do this and create the story and this memory. Yeah. You know, yeah. It is. There's a story to be told. And I mean, I think it's like hunting. If there's no competitive aspect to hunting. Correct. And if you, if you, you know, watch the meat eater guys specifically, mm-hmm. Steve Renella does a fantastic job of conveying just the overwhelming reality that we will live and we will die and nature will be unaffected by those events. And it's a lot of gravity. You know, when you say it out loud, it's, it's like crickets for a minute because people are like, damn, (laughs) but like, that's what I want to experience. I want to experience that kind of nature and that kind of scenario that, that I get to be and go and do and, and be a part of nature in a way that I'm just there as an observer. You know what I mean? I, I get that moment to observe nature being itself. And I feel like when I'm driving in my bass boat or when I'm idling on a point or when I'm, you know, doing something like that, I'm not experiencing nature in a way that is truly enjoyable. Mm-hmm. But like when I go and do like what I did today, even though I took my bass boat, right? You know, I took the freaking giant you know, aluminum rocket that I have. And I went fishing with it at one point, a dragonfly lands on the deck of the boat and I picked it up and he came crawling in my hand. And I was just looking at him and I made a comment like, you know, can you believe the dinosaurs were walking around? There was, you know, dragonflies as big as this boat. And, you know, me and dad laughed about it. And like, he's like, that's not nightmare fuel at all. Oh, then a white tailed deer walked down through the woods. And then we saw an owl. And we saw, you know, and then we had that bass come up and eat that little cicada bug. And I got to see bass swimming around eating mayflies off the top of the water. And just, just it was just a slowed down, a slowed pace of fishing. It wasn't rushing. It wasn't going. It wasn't running. And, and I think I'm tired of that. You know what I mean? I think I'm tired of this go, 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 go. We got to be here. We got to pay this entry fee. We got to buy this. We got to use this electronic. We got to do this. I mean, dude, you don't experience nature when you're staring at LifeScope. Correct. Yeah. You have a, you have a, you have a, you have a mission. You're going to accomplish that mission. And when you accomplish that mission, you're done. That's not what is fun about fishing to me. What's fun about fishing to me is, getting to experience nature getting to experience that's why i guess why i like shallow water fishing and flipping and like this you know power fishing because i'm constantly looking at where am i going to what is the experience i get to go do what is my not what is the mission 
of, you know, I have this little blip on my screen and I got to get that blip to eat this other little blip. <laughs> and I've never thought about it that way. And I literally just said that out loud yeah. and my brain just like right, wrapped yeah. around. No, that's uh, you're, you're, you're almost disconnecting yourself from why you do it. Right. Yeah. We're literally yeah. like initially you did it because you made, as you said, core memories with, with maybe you and your dad out there on that yeah. boat. And, yeah. and when you were a kid, you weren't thinking about the next video to make or making that blip eat the other blip, right? You were just yeah. hanging out with your pops, having a good time, enjoying the beauty that's presented around us. And over time, nice. we almost get caught up in everything. We lose that. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's awesome to see that. I'm, I'm you know, small antidote. Like I I've missed that, and I yeah. crave that. As somebody yeah. who hasn't fished since May because of my situation, right? I, I miss the sitting out in my little plastic boat and just like headphones out, just listening for like 10 minutes, yes. no rod in the water, yes. not, not pedaling, just literally floating and just listening to almost the emptiness that is nature. But there's so much there, but just the, the quietness compared to our daily life. And I feel like, I mean, yeah, I, I can only imagine with you because you do this content creation, all this stuff uh, full time that it could almost like it could almost make it a, a job. Right. That's what everybody fears. And, you know, you don't want to make this a job, but you uh, obviously you got to pay the bills, but you lose some of that. It, it's awesome to see you and hear you talk about like wanting to pare that down, because I do think I'm not a tournament guy at all. I yeah. go out there because I love to be out there. I like to make movies about why I'm out there. That's why I'm why I do this. You know what I mean? Yes. And, yes. But you're right. It's a whole different. Exactly what you said. You you separated the nature from like this artificial mission. I've got a. I love that you said that. I got this blip, and I need my my blip to eat that blip. That's not what yep. we're doing this for. No, and you know, in like, I. But and but on the flip side of that too, I still have a competitive. I'm competitive. I mean, it's just the way that I am. I mean, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm a competitive human being. I, I, I love, I love to beat people. <laughs> like I love, I love winning. You know what I mean? Like, but it's like, but all at the same time, it's like, you know, I thought about fishing all the Hobies next year, all of them. But you want to know what's more alluring than winning is getting to just go. I, I love going like, that's why I drove 15 hours to Texas a few months ago because mm -hmm. I just love to go. I, like they were like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah. So, and it's, it's an adventure. Like, let's go. Like, yeah, it's I, cool. I'll get to fish a kayak tournament while I'm there. And I got to win a kayak, but I also got to go to Lake Louisville right outside of Dallas, Texas. I've never been to Texas. I've never been to Dallas. I've never been to Lake Louisville. I get to go experience a brand new thing that I've never done before in a brand new state with brand new set of circumstances like i love the go i love the adventure of it i think more than i actually love the the competitive part of the fishing like i do love the competitive part of the fishing i mean like when i got to the lake and i got there you know that's when i hit that gear mm -hmm. and, and and i hit that gear and i came in second in that tournament i almost came in first but it's like the going part of it is i think more is like a huge draw for me more than anything like the thought of getting to go and do these these kayak tournaments all over the nation like getting to go to the susquehanna river like i was texting bailey during the tournament being like where's that place at 
how can I get there? Like, where's a good place to stay? Because I just wanted to just go there and experience it. The, the, hey, if I get to fish in a tournament and put up my fish that I'm going to catch anyway because I'm there on a board and have a chance at winning $10,000, hey, dude, that's just a bonus. You know what I mean? Like, that's a fun bonus. But it's like just the going and being there is like the cool part to me. I don't I know, boys. I've had some like revelations on this on this podcast tonight. Hey, I'm sitting here. You got my brain like rolling. Like this is it's kind of crazy. Yo, well, that's I can what we're here for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, what we're yeah, here you, for. You've touched another level. Yeah. I yeah. got into kayak fishing because I wanted to fish competitively, and I didn't want to do it out the back of a boat. And I couldn't afford even a John boat with a motor to go fish these boat tournaments. And so that's and that's why I got into it. That's what I want to do. And Rudd, when we were when we were talking last night, I even said you I've gotten to the point I wanted to fish more national tournaments next year. Yes. Yeah. But and I said to you, I was like, I'm less like I'm I'm feeling less like I want to go fish these national tournaments. And more like with the connections I've made over the last year, I want to go. You're fish. welcome. I want to keep. Thank you. You're welcome for <laughs> for me keeping this bitch going while you were going too. <laughs> I want to go. I, I want to take that time and that money, and I'm more inclined to want to go meet people that I or just go fish with people that I've met. Mm-hmm. And go to places and fish places I've never fished with no no competition involved, just just for that you know the camaraderie and that. Even yep. that this is coming from somebody that the only reason I wanted to kayak fish was competitive fish. Yep. And locally, I still want to do that, but I'm thinking more instead of you know, going to two or three national tournaments next year or going to two or three other places. And, and hanging out with some folks that I've met, that I've, I've made friends with, and just fishing, just to have a good time. Yeah. And that's, yeah. A, that's a huge evolution for me and my mind, though. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think, uh, I think my buddy John's a great example. Creek Fishing Adventures. Awesome cat. Great YouTube channel for anybody that's listening. If you guys haven't checked it out, you need to. John's the man. But John fishes all the kayak tournaments with us. You know what I mean? And he's there. We're both there. And, like, we're just doing our thing. John's beat our eyeballs in before. He won a tournament, the last tournament before this one. And John, but John just does it the way John does it. And, like, win, lose, or draw, John has fun. And, like, that's, I think, the way that I have started to view fishing I'll be totally honest. Ever since my dad got diagnosed with cancer, life has not as has totally shifted to life is way too short not to just enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And so every decision I make now and everything that I look at, I don't look at it from the lens of is it good? Is it bad? Am I having, you know, is this what I thought it would be? Is this fun? How much money am what- I going to make? How much money am I going to make? Yeah, it's just, I just go, and I said it the other day in my tournament video when I had one fish on the board and I couldn't get them to bite. I said, win, lose, or draw, I'm six foot above the ground, and I'm having fun. And it's a beautiful day to be alive. And even if it was piss pouring rain and thundering and lightning outside, I would still say, 
I'm six foot above the ground. And it's a great day to be alive. And, and, and what I'm starting to, every video that I put out from here on out, and you guys will hear this, it's a great day to be alive and it's another day to go fishing. Because it is. Every day when we get up that we're six foot above the ground, it's another great day to be alive. And it's another great day to get out there and to go do something cool with the time right that we've now. got. That's right. Right now, a huge allure to kayak fishing, these national trails, is the camaraderie, is yep. staying in a, in a house with, with guys. And, I, and I, I fished the Hobie on Santee, and I stayed with Matt Millard and, and Eric Thomason and Jordan Marshall. And oh, gosh, I an a little bit. Talked Jeez. to those guys. And, but I got to meet them, and I got to meet a bunch of other people when I was there. And, it, like, I, I had no chance to win anything after day one. But just having that experience and being able to do that, that's an allure for kayak fishing right now. Now, five years from now, that can be, very well change for these tournament settings. But in general, that kayak, there's a lot of camaraderie in the kayak world with, with doing this. And you see this in a lot and of I people's think, videos where they're doing the, the regional and the, and the local trails yeah. where they just go hang out and fucking drink till 2 o'clock in the morning, wake up hungover as fuck, go fish, and have a good-ass time. Yeah, and I think that's the draw for kayak tournament angling for me is the camaraderie. And it's always been that. I mean, it's fun to hang out. You know, it's fun to go see all my buddies. Like, you know, me and Josh and um, John. And, like, we all like to see, you know, Eric. Eric, he fishes in my kayak club. And Jordan fishes in our kayak club, you know. And, like, you know, those dudes, they compete. And they like to compete on a on a different level than I think other people do. But but at the end of the day, they're all still beatable. They're all still humans. We all still shake each other's hands at the end of the day, and we have a good time. That just doesn't exist in any other facet of fishing as far as competitive fishing. And I think that is one reason that I still do enjoy kayak fishing is because, like, if I go fish all the Hobies next year, like, I can promise you, me and Bailey are probably going to room together wherever we go, and I get to go hang out with my buddy Bailey, and we're going to hang out and just bullshit around and do whatever. You know what I, I mean? feel bad, you're, man. That's a lot you're of gonna, sandwiches. You're, yeah, yeah I know, right? you're just going to be eating a, a, a lot of shitty sandwiches, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, and, and you know, and now I've, I've, I've got to know Christine Fisher a little bit, and, and so that's another person. Like, you know, it's like, it's like okay, so I'm, no, I'm getting to know these people. I'm getting to know these names. I'm getting to know who everybody is. And the camaraderie is starting to build more and more and more in this space that I knew nothing about. But like the camaraderie is able to be built. Whereas my Mm -hmm. first foray back into bass boat tournament fishing, I get kicked out. The camaraderie is just like, it proved (laughs) itself without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, that shit's just not going to happen. And so it's like I, I reverted back to the, the kayak tournament fishing yeah. because I've always just been welcome there. And like, even like when, like, dude, I'll go get my eyeballs beat in or I'll go beat people's eyeballs in. And it's still, it's, I have never once had anybody look at me with any disdain ever. It's always good job, man. Good work. Like, and that's what, I love about that kayak tournament fishing scene. And I think that's why I love being competitive within that scene is because sportsmanship is still alive and well in that world. And Mm -hmm. like, you know, I think there's certain worlds that exist and other worlds that doesn't UFC is a great example of a place where it exists because they beat the shit out of each other for 25 minutes straight. And then at the end, they've got to shake hands because they both went in there and they threw hands. 
You know what I mean? And it's like, I don't know why. I guess I don't know what it is about kayak fishing that is still so alive and well. Maybe it's just we've done a really, really good job of making sure, you know, come to the meetups. We've got food at the meetups. Come join everybody. Let's get to, Oh, do you, do, if you see somebody out on the water, it's not, hey, you fishing that stretch of bank? No, it's, you catching them? No, not really. Well, dude, I just caught one on a Cinco under that dock, so you might want to tie on a Cinco. Like, it's that. You know what I mean? Oh, I I had a local tournament uh, a month ago or so now, and me and this this other guy who who I know and we know the lake well, we knew we were going to be in the same area. I was fishing where I was fishing. He got into a school, and yeah. my little area was was what it was. I ended up catching big big fish in a tournament, but that's what it was. I knew I was going to catch yeah. one, two, or three fish. I caught that one, and he was he was wearing their ass out. So I went over there just to say, hey, man, that's what you got, and this and that. He's like, hey, dude, throw you throw over here. They're here. And I, I I did, but I just I didn't feel, I like, personally, I was like, I, this is his shit. He was here first, so I went and did my other thing. But yeah. that, was, that was the whole thing. He's like, hey, man, they're here. He finished second. <laughs> I finished third. I could have damn sure sat there, and if I would have caught one of the fish that he was catching in that, I would have beat him and come in second. Yeah, and I mean, we and we we knew we knew we were going to be up there, but yeah. I mean, that's just that's the that's the kind of stuff that you hear the you hear other shit in the kayak world, but in general, you hear a lot of that. This ain't no teamwork bullshit. People yeah. and talk about, but it's just that hey, you know, I don't want a bass boat to come in here and take my spot away. So if there's two of us. It's less likely one of them's going to move in and fuck shit up or do whatever they do. But yeah, yeah I mean, there is a camaraderie there that that is different, and I think a lot of it has to do with not even the fishing side; it's the off the water camaraderie. Yep, yep. It's that it hanging is. out, cooking, shooting yeah. the shit. Now, like you said, coming to coming to the weigh-ins and, and the captains' meetings at these tournaments where there's food and you can hang out, you can meet the people. Well, let's be real. That's where you get knowledge. That's where yeah. you start talking about a lot of fishing stuff. You're like shit, I didn't think about that. Yeah, you start yeah. to build that toolbox better because people are more willing to kind of share some stuff. Yeah. Well, and you know, and that, I'm just naturally, I'm naturally inclined to teach like that as well. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm a being teacher. a former teacher. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's never going to leave me. You know what I mean? And so it's like, I wouldn't say he's a former teacher. He's Still teaches just in a different fashion. Yeah, well, yeah, he's not I an pre- elementary school teacher anymore. Yeah, I pr- appreciate it. I appreciate it. But yeah, I mean, it's just—I yeah. don't know, boys. I mean, it's—it's it's interesting. The whole thing is interesting to me. I mean, I, there's many facets to Alex Rudd. You know, I can't be one-dimensional because I'm just not a one-dimensional person. I enjoy fishing. At the end of the day, I enjoy fishing in so many different aspects that fishing takes whether that's fishing with Edwin Evers on Grand Lake, Oklahoma, or pulling a kayak 12 miles up into a creek and catching little spots that big, or going to fish redfish with my buddy on the North Carolina coast, or whatever it is. I know, I know, right? I know. It's quick. It's, it's going to be a quick turnaround on this one. Um, Next time, I promise. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but like, damn camaraderie. Damn camaraderie. Yes. <laughs> Screw you, man. Um, but like, I just love it. And I think I think in all saying everything that we said and all the rambling I've gone on and about tonight, you know, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, I just want to go out there and I just want to do what I enjoy. And what I enjoy is very multifaceted because I do enjoy going and just exploring. But I also enjoy winning tournaments and competing against people because it's fun. And I also enjoy going 65 in a bass boat. I mean, that's also fun, too. But like, but at the core of all of that, it's like what you said, Alex. At the core of all of that, what it began as is 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 memories, and making memories, mm. and doing cool things, and having fun. And I want to make sure that every video that I make, and this goes back to another thing Alex said, that it is never ever work for me. I don't want it to be work. I don't want to have to get up ever. Ever. If I if it happens, I swear to God, I'll quit. I'll go back to teaching. That I get up in the morning and I go, God, I gotta go freaking get this boat out and go make this video about live scope. I'm never gonna do that. I'm gonna go do what I enjoy and what is fun and what makes memories. I never want to pigeonhole myself into a point where I'm not having fun doing the thing that literally is the reason for having fun for me, which is fishing <laughs> and exploring right, and being right. outside. You know what I mean? That's what this I think. The, that's, that's the biggest moment of silence I think we've ever had on this podcast. Unless Alex Swamp Rat Fishing was in so, There we go. Alex is trying to talk. That's what the problem is here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know he's out. got something good. To, I know he's got something good to say. I just don't know what it is. Hey, we should put his ass off camera every episode because everything he said tonight has been really good, and he hadn't shat on nobody the whole episode. So we're we're doing really good right now. Well, I have I have been talking. There's been a lot of air coming out of me tonight too. So there's probably that. But you you are our so you are a guest, right? And on yeah. podcasts, people. People come for some of the banter me and Swamp Rat do. But let's be real. We've been doing this for a lot of episodes. There ain't no new shit coming up. I pick on him for being short. He picks on me for being really handsome. No, I pick on him for being fat. Most of the people... (laughs) He had to come off mute to say it. Most, (sighs) But but people come on here for for our guests, and that's why we have guests. That's why me and Alex aren't sitting out here talking every week, because it would be stupid. This podcast is your podcast, and you're here to talk. And if we were talking more than you, then you know we 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 fucked up, or either you know, I mean, that's just how it goes. So you uh, keep yeah. talking because people are gonna <laughs> be listening an hour and thirty seven minutes in because you're talking, not us. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I appreciate it. I I, I feel <laughs> like I've said a lot tonight. I don't know if I've made any valid points, but I feel like I've said a lot. <laughs> I somebody's taking. What I was going to say before I rudely got cut off by my shitty internet was everything you said here is real. And I just want to stretch out to people. Like, you guys might not know. And I'm not saying we talk all the time, Alex, but like, Alex gave me his cell phone number, right? We've texted back and forth a couple of times. That's how real this guy is. He's not legitimately, I, I did have some comments of like, oh, 
we got another big YouTuber on. You're just trying to uh, plug some numbers. Like, no, I genuinely think you're a good dude. You're a genuine dude, which is, like, really fucking cool. It really is. I, I really appreciate that. I really appreciate that. It's all I got, man. I tell people all the time. This is Alex Rudd. And this is Alex. Dude, I can only be Alex Rudd. I can't fake it because as soon as I start faking it, you're going to know it. Like, this is this how it is 24-7 with me. My brain works. This whole entire podcast has been a great example of Alex having a really bad ADHD week. All right? Like, this is, this is how my brain works, y'all. In, in, right, the famous words, in the famous words of Joe LaBarbera, I have ADHD. It's not diagnosed, but I'm sure of it. And if it ain't bass, <laughs> it better be boobies. Uh, if it ain't boobies, it better be bass. So yeah, I mean that's you know Amen. that's how that's how our brains work sometimes. Boobs but, yeah, are the I'm only things that prove that I can focus on two things at once. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we have another boob outtake. Mark this, uh, Alex. One one hour and thirty nine minutes in. I met Alex. Oh, it's Rudd. marked. It's marked. It's yeah. marked. If I don't Maybe see that one on social media tomorrow, I'm going to be pissed. It's going to be <laughs> on the TikToks tomorrow. <laughs> oh no, it's coming out tomorrow. Oh yes. <laughs> uh, and I met uh, Alex at at the classic this year. Bailey introduced us, and I mean, you know, we sat there and talked, and I was, yeah, you know, I, I, I ain't, I'm not anybody. I don't have. I got like a hundred one, blah blah blah, this and that. But that's that's the whole thing through all of our guests that we've had on these podcasts. The fishing world in general that I've I've been a part of, people are so open, right? I mean mm-hmm. that's that's a that's a huge thing about it. And you see this from a lot of the pros too, with especially with the YouTube stuff now with people taking videos and beating you uh, pros at the classic or at the weigh in. I mean, how many times you see them signing stuff? and sitting there and talking to somebody you see a lot of that and you just don't get that in in the nfl you don't get mm-hmm. that the nba mm-hmm. uh th- th- there are small instances of that but you're not getting the nfl player that that props up on the on the side of the the stands and sits there and talks to one or two people for 20 or 30 minutes mm-hmm. but you see this shit in fishing all the time, mm-hmm. if not in person, on videos that people post of their interactions with other pro fishermen, albeit uh, professional anglers fishing for money or professional anglers in the content creation side. Mm-hmm. You see that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a, that again, that's another thing about this niche within our niche. It's very welcoming mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. It's very welcoming. Mm-hmm. Unless, all right. Well, unless you, unless you win your first tournament after 15 years of a bass butt fishing hiatus, and then you get caught a semi pro and kicked out of a club. But anyway, yeah, well, <laughs> all right, sorry, 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 I interrupted you, Alex. <laughs> no, I do have a couple questions uh, from the fans. If you got a little bit of time, absolutely, I'm 100 percent right. down for this. All right, so uh, the first one uh, comes from Tori. Uh, she, uh, well, so, so you've already done the shotgun round, right? Yeah. So, uh, she wants to reverse it. Uh, I don't know if you know or not, but after you left, uh, we had, uh, some, some, some questions change on it. So she wanted to make sure that you were asked, uh, is Alex Rudd over or underrated? 
Oh, I would have to say I'm highly overrated. I'm probably the most. <laughs> I'm probably the most. I'm the worst fisherman I know, and probably the most uncool person that I know. <laughs> but didn't Tori um, want to know if she? Oh, didn't Tori want to know also if she was overrated or underrated? No, no. Didn't I said that? I'm going to ask. Yeah. So Alex, okay, yeah. is Tori is Tori overrated or underrated? Uh, knowing, not knowing Tori. Well, maybe. I might <laughs> what she Tori. said? <laughs> uh, there's a lot. I know, I know there's actually a Tori at my house right now. So I don't, I don't know which Tori we're talking about here. Um, I'm going to go that she is highly underrated. Perfect. Highly underrated. If you want to get to know Tori, go listen to the last episode. Oh, Tori, yeah, she follows me on Instagram. I followed her back. Oh, yes. She, uh, her and her husband, she's yeah. Like, she's yeah. a classy right. lady who was drinking wine out of a can. So. Hey, I love it. it. Was yeah, a, she, her, it, she's been slamming some spots. I've seen yes. some spots that she had been mm, catching. I mean, mm-hmm. she's catching some mag numbs. See, Tori, he does know who you are. Yeah, she was drinking 11 yeah. alcohols of wine out of a can. I mean, like, hey, listen, when you're posting pictures like that, you start getting old Rudd's attention, all right? I mean, like, <laughs> that's what it takes right there. Because you, you're a all spot man, right. aren't you? Didn't you say you had some spots hemmed up the other day that you wanted to catch? I love catching spots, man. They're ugh, It's a weird addiction that I have. Love catching them things. All right, next question. We've got uh, – we talked about the slobber knockers. we got two more questions. Uh Again, this is from the Brewski uh, Discord. If you guys want to get part of it, hit me up on TikTok, and uh, we'll see if you fit our uh, very, 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 um, you know, detailed elite elite application process to get part of this. uh, (laughs) Semi-professional. Semi-professional guidelines. They want to know how semi-professionals get kicked out. Uh, Have you eaten the turkeys yet? No, so one of them I had to I had to put down um, and didn't end up eating because she uh, she got so something got a hold of her, broke one of her ring, wings, broke her back, and I just put her out of her misery with a shotgun. Um, and uh, I decided against eating her just out of uh, I guess respect, yeah, respect, sanctity of its life. You know what I mean? And plus. <laughs> All the stress hormones and everything from that poor turkey laying there. I think she'd oh. been laying there overnight. It was just wasn't a good situation. Like I wasn't going to kill that turkey and then just pluck it and eat it. You know, I mean, maybe that's if we were starving, like it'd a... be completely different. <laughs> the other one that sounds it, sounds like an yeah. owl attack too. Yeah, I know, right? Um, um, I, I thought about that because I got a bunch of owls on my property. And you know, fun fact ooh, before we continue, ooh, 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 did you know ooh, that an owl is the number one? Um, killer of turkeys in north america but they are the silent killer they're the silent killer yes you can't so during during mating season for turkeys when they're gobbling they'll gobble up in the roost and the owls will pinpoint where they're at before the sun comes up and just they'll knock a full-grown tom turkey out of a tree and kill it and eat it yes I've learned so much about animals. I learned that, but last night I learned that the barnacle's penis is ten to one ratio to its body. Like I've learned a lot of fun facts the last two days. So what you're saying so, is that he has the largest dick in proportion to his body. Correct. <laughs> he does the barnacle. Yeah. Alex is mad because he thought he had it since he was so short. 
But when you go turkey hunting, one of the greatest ways to locate a turkey is the is the oh, 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 oh. and they'll be like, Wee! listen, Wee! you can. I've walked out in the woods and going, oh yeah, and around the distance, dude. When they're going at it, y'all, it don't matter. You can clap your hands. You can if you fart loud enough, they're gonna gobble at you. But um, but no, I still have one turkey. Um, he is alive and well out there. I don't believe that we're going to eat him at this point in his existence. From everything that I've gathered, I should have killed him this spring. Um, so what's his name? I, I just call him Turkey. I mean, he's lunch and dinner is what Rick calls him, but I mean, he's just the turkey. Um, he's cool. T- I mean, he's a cool bird. You know, he hangs out. He chills. I mean, like when I walk up to the cage, he knows I'm coming and like he'll walk up and look at me and I'll put his food down. And like, I don't know. And we got two chickens now, too. So we got chickens, which we're not going to eat those because they give us they eggs. Anyway, so, yeah. Lay hands. Hands. Yeah, like I, this spring. I've man. also heard that tur- Turkey is so nice that he'll sit there and just listen to you talk about Max Set for hours. He will. That, and that's probably why I'm going to keep him around, is because he's actually the, <laughs> the only, only one <laughs> ne- next to Bobby. And even Bobby, the dog, he gets tired of it and walks away <laughs> after a while. The Turkey would just listen to me ramble. Berkeley's going to sponsor Turkey. <laughs> yes. What happens when you walk in and want to talk about a new lure or something you did fishing wise to Bethany? What happens? Oh no, she she likes it. She'll listen to me oh, to a okay. point. My, to a point. My wife is and, like, "Don't you have yeah. a podcast to go talk to this about?" Yeah, she'll listen to a point, and then there's just a point where she's like, "Okay, that's good." You know, like <laughs> I'm getting a new kayak, and uh, she, I, I showed her the new kayak, and she's very excited. As ex, not as excited as I am, but she's very excited about the new kayak. What do you um, get? Expand. Oh, I'm getting a Sholey. Oh shit! Hell yeah. <laughs> hey, shit, mute man. your mic. Mute your mic. You didn't mute it last time. We had to hear you pee. I'm just waiting for it now. Yeah, we're all going to listen. It's that old man. No, he bladder. didn't listen. You can definitely hear him peeing. Yes. Solid. Not a steady not a steady flow, though, either. I, I worry hey. for him. He's an older man. He's like 42, and he's very overweight. This man is large. He's very. What's funny is we're going to have to get done recording this, and then Paul actually has to go to my 600-pound life. Um, <laughs> he's Yeah. He's on that I love, show for now on. I love that you've taken Rogan's advice to just fat shame people, like, and you're, and you're riding that horse <laughs> as hard as you can possibly ride it. You're just like Listen, fat shame him. Fat he, shame he, him he, into the ground. He short shames me, so uh, it's only... Well, uh, first of all, my mic is beside the computer. It's nowhere near where I went to just get a drink of water. Second of all, Alex <laughs> is just mad because they canceled the life of little people on TLC, so he can't even be on TV anymore. Um, I can. Uh, Willow is coming out. Uh, really, I haven't been underway with the Coast Guard. I've been filming the new Willow uh, reboot, so... Nobody uh, knows what the hell Willow, like the Willow Tree? No, like the show Willow. It was a movie with Val Kilmer back in the day. It had a little midget running around. Anyways, all right. Oh, Final you're talking game. about Top Gun with Tom Cruise, the little guy. That's a good call. That's a good call. All right, so this question is from Devin and Hooked Up North from our Patreon. They would like to know, what is your favorite bait for skipping docks? Oh, uh, General. Max accent General. Sure. How, it is, how are you like rigging a dream. 
Wacky rig. Wacky rig. Now, I do have to say, if you've not taken a ghillie and skipped a ghillie yet, mm. dude, like a rock. I mean, you can take a ghillie. It skips better than anything I've ever th- seen ever <laughs> as far as skipping. No like, it's just like... like I mean, it is... It's 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 hard to jack up skipping that thing, but no. If I'm picking any, like I've caught more fish from under a dock with a June Bug Maxent General, a number one size owner Nico Sniper finesse hook, ten pound fluorocarbon, twenty pound braid, seven foot medium fast action Veritas rod, and a three hundred size spinner reel. Call me daddy. I'll, I'll I'll go toe-to-toe any day with anybody skipping docks with that. Oh, oh daddy. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Right All there. right. So, Alex, I want to I wanna thank you so much for coming back on. Uh, huge friend of the show. We enjoy having you on. I enjoy uh, the shitty text messages about liquid death that I've given you. So, uh, I, I just appreciate you. Absolutely, man. I appreciate y'all as well. I will. Uh, I will come back anytime that I am invited. I, I love to talk, so we're. I'm here for it anytime, and I do appreciate you boys because every time we get on here, we always have a very enlightening conversation, and I feel very enlightened after this conversation. My thought, you got some juices flowing in my head. I think every opportunity is a uh, creative opportunity, and you've got some creative juices flowing in my head, so I'm excited. Well, listen, well, awesome, I'll take five uh, percent. Creative as that rock. Uh, that you skip across the water. So anytime we get somebody on here with some creativity juices flowing, we're like, great, this is awesome because we would have never thought about that shit. That's why. <laughs> Very true. That's why we had. To, that's why we had to get uh, a past guest make us our intro because we're uncreative as fuck. That's all right. No. Very true. Alex is Actually, very creative. Yeah. Alex's yeah, art is. Dude, yes. it's off the chain, yep. like off it the is. chain. And I told you, I may get you, I may commission a piece of art from you on a little project that I've got going on. So you got it. Once you yep. get back because home, can... we'll we'll talk about it. Absolutely. Yeah, y'all can tell when Alex has nothing to do with the podcast when he's MIA because the shit gets posted on the podcast platforms, and you get a post from me with our logo, two thirds of it cut off. <laughs> That's what yeah, I Yeah, there's no there's no thumbnails. <laughs> but before we leave, uh, I know you wanted to tell us about that one new Welcome to the Bass and Brews podcast, your weekly distraction from other high quality podcasts. And now your host, Alex from Swamp Rat Fishing and the co-host 